welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer with Gene Galvin and me, I am Maria Corelli. We are recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience here in Folk School Coffee Parlor of Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, it's Jerry Springer! Wow, it's hard not to get a big head when you get this kind of... <laughs> Six people can make a lot of noise. Right? <laughs> no. Hey, um, let me ask you something. Yes. When I walked in, yeah. you were, and for people who can't see the folk school, uh, Ludlow, Kentucky has sort of a long thing and a door leading out to yeah. the sidewalk. Yes. You were talking to an older gentleman out there, and I wonder what, and you were like really into this conversation. What was that about? He was really nice. I, I, I guess I'd met him before, but I, honestly, okay. I didn't remember his name. And he, uh, but he was all excited because apparently earlier today he got a new hearing aid. Really? And he's telling me, he's, and he just starts talking about it. He says, Jerry, this is, this is the finest hearing aid money can buy. Uh-huh. And so I said, yeah, what kind is it? He said, four o'clock. <laughs> can we get some sound effects in there? Maria, Maria, here's why I brought this up. Oh, no. Yeah, why here's why, did you Maria, here's why I brought up. this up. Yeah, let's hear this. So I've been conducting, and I'm always a little oblique about where it is because it's kind of private to the people involved, but I'm working uh, as a volunteer running a critical thinking seminar in a prison in the Kentucky prison system. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Did you use As that? time, well, check this out. <laughs> As time is passing, I'm getting to know guys that are in my class. Yes. Uh, pretty well. We're, we're becoming kind of a learning family. It's, uh, it's really a very cool thing that I'm experiencing. So two of the guys in my class produce their co-editors. There is actually a third man who is a third co-editor a literary magazine in this prison that they have been producing, somebody's been producing for many years. And so they give me this literary magazine, one of the copies of it, it's published quarterly, and I brought it home, and I sat down and I read it cover to cover because there's some really interesting stuff in it. Now, the magazine, by the way, has poetry in it, it has some short stories, it has a few republished things that are of significance. I got the holiday edition so it had Hanukkah stuff, Christmas stuff, Kwanzaa stuff, etc. And it has a puzzle page and a joke page. It's got all this stuff. So I'm reading this magazine, and I'm on page whatever it is. Oh, on page, are you oh, kidding 26, me? and here's what it says. It says, I'm quoting, A man tells his neighbor, uh, I just bought a new hearing aid. cost me thousands of dollars. It's a state-of-the-art. It's perfect. Guy says, really? What kind is it? 1230. Oh no! See, it doesn't work. You got to say four o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so that I tell is, these. That is I know. Great. So, I, so I tell these guys. I come back the next week, which is you last know they week. didn't steal it from me because I always say four no, o'clock. No, and that's a that's sort of a, a, a that's joke is not funny to say they stole it from you. That's not funny. It's a prison. No, anyway. So uh, <laughs> anyway, is that so one I, in there? I sit, boom, boom, I sit down with these guys last week and I say, dude, look, this joke on page 26. And I tell them how at the Jerry Springer podcast, we've been doing that joke for four years. 
And it was funny maybe the first time, after yeah. all. I think that's a funny joke, yeah. actually. But now the joke is that Jerry keeps telling the damn joke. And that's now the joke. So it's I... because most of our audience can't remember from no, minute to really. minute. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so, I figure, what the heck? I know. Every, every joke's a new one. Every joke's a new one. <laughs> Everyone I, thought, I meet is a new friend. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. And, and by the way, I wanted to credit a guy... Uh, there, there is stuff. I, I got to tell you, we did this. Just want to tell you something real fast. We did this poem by Richard Loveless in the seminar. By day of seminars, you read a short primary text and then you analyze it with gray area questions and it prods everybody to come up with their own thoughts and all these thoughts start flying around the room. It's very cool. So we read To Althea from Prison. 1649, it was written by Richard Lovelace, so-called Cavalier Poet, from an era of poets called Cavalier Poets. He's a political prisoner. He got stuck in prison twice. And he writes this poem to a girlfriend while he's in prison. And the famous verse is, stone walls do not a prison make, nor iron bars a cage. Mine's innocent and quiet, take that for an hermitage. If I have freedom in my love and in my soul and free, angels alone that soar above enjoy such liberty. Point being that you can stick my ass in prison, but you can't take from me my love, yep. my girlfriend in this yep. case, or my spirit. Can you imagine reading that poem with a bunch of guys who are in, who prison. Are in prison? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. maybe some of them for life? Yeah. That was pretty interesting. Wow. Yeah, that, that, and that, I yeah. read in the literary magazine, I'm not going to read the poem, it's short, but mm. it, it's called My Past, My Past, P-A-S-T, as an inmate, Claude Cox. And I read this poem, and I read it to the guys last week, and I said, that is so close to yeah. Richard Lovelace's To Althea from Prison. Yeah. It's just weird. That's it, it, all about big ideas and the human condition, is that you can take... A hundred people in different eras of the world and any place in the world, and certain things will rise up because they're mm -hmm. human condition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That you can't really take everything from me. And as mm -hmm. one inmate said, you can only if I let you. But right. if I don't let you, you can't. Right. Wow. It's very interesting. Michael Cohen and, said that uh, yesterday. Yeah, he morning. said it as he was going in. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Hey, one other thing, I'm gonna we're gonna get you. By the way, we have Matt Hibbard here as our musical guest. And there's a lot going on in the country with a lot of people ignoring subpoenas and denying they're gonna do this or that. Congressional, you know, flaunting congressional dictates, and we're gonna ask Jerry to talk about that. But Maria, I use Facebook. You use Facebook, mm -hmm. and a lot of people do. And I saw. I wanted to ask you, did you, in fact, Cincinnati every year has the Flying Pig Marathon. It's one of the major marathons of the country, mm -hmm. 26 and a half miles. Yep. And you can do the full, you can do the half. They're on some other days, some that are you know, different sizes, lengths. You did the half marathon? Yeah. That's like 13 miles. 13 miles, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Was, so how did that go? Oh, it was so much fun. It was my first time doing a half marathon. Right. And, and what did you do it at? Um, what did it end up being like? He and he'll have no idea what that means. By well, uh, <laughs> two two ten or something like that. I think two hours and ten minutes. Yeah. No. How did Excellent. you know that, Debbie? And, <laughs> that's good. An audience member is saying it was two oh something. Wait, what was? Because I did the mini heart marathon. Yeah. So how? 
I know oh, exactly. You did. Yeah, was the that very the first one? I, I can't remember. Was the mini heart? It's, I think it's still. Like oh that. yeah, it clearly was hit, but it may have been less because. Yeah. I know exactly what my time was. What be- was it? Because I came in last. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was uh, a, an hour and forty six minutes. Okay. And Bill Rogers, who was an Olympian at the time, oh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, this was nineteen seventy eight. He came in at forty. He won and came in at forty five minutes, and I came in wow. at an hour and forty six. <laughs> wow! So it mustn't have been thirteen miles. I think it was nine miles. I don't oh. know. It could have been. That's I think that's what it was. It was, it, yeah. And it, it was the first. It was the first one. Well, I was the mayor, so my. I think I've told this story. My job was and. So it was for the Heart Association, et cetera. Yeah. So I showed up at Fountain Square, and there were 3,000 people in the first one, and they, everyone gathers there at the square, and then I'm supposed to give a little talk, you know, wish everyone luck, and shoot the gun to start the race. Well, an important lesson that you boys and girls may want to write down. <laughs> <laughs> is Uncle Jerry learned what? Is if you're going to start 3,000 people... On a race, don't be standing in front of them when you do it. <laughs> so I'm up there on the square holding the gun on your mark that said, boom, and 3,000 people start running right at me. Oh, no. So I would do what anyone did. Instincts I, kicked instinct in. Kicked in, so I turned around so I wouldn't get trampled. And then I'm a young man at that time, so, you know, the phony macho takes over, and I think, well, I can do this but of course i'm carrying a gun yeah and wearing <laughs> and wearing a, where I, I remember and this wearing a suit I'm with wingtip shoes yes because i'm the mayor so i didn't know i was going to run i thought i'm going down there so i dressed up in my suit and my wingtip <laughs> and shoes. his mayor shoes and i'd never run a block in my life you know uh, at my age the only running i do is the men's room but uh so uh, uh, boom yeah they're hearing it. They're hearing it. <laughs> no, so everyone's running towards me, so I start running too. And then after running for about a block or two, I figured, well, maybe I'm I can out do of breath. This. I can yeah. kind of do this. So I run towards the side of the road, and I there's a police officer there, and I hand the gun off to him, and I just continue running. Well, the way the race was, it's that's right. It was four and a half miles out, and then turn around and four and a half miles back. So the problem, though, is the further you run, you got to come back. (laughs) (laughs) And after a while, my feet really started hurting because I was just wearing black socks and wingtip shoes. Oh, my God. I mean, they really hurt every time I took a step. But you don't want to. I knew I wasn't doing well because the cops along the way kept asking me, is there anyone else? So that was a clue. But now I'm on the back part coming back towards the, the, the finish line, which was still probably a mile away. But down Vine Street, you can kind of see everyone gathered there with a big banner. And all the TV stations were there. And so now the ego steps in, and I don't want to humiliate myself. So I've got to finish, and people are cheering me on. But... Honestly, for six weeks, I was limping around. My feet were bleeding. I mean, there, there, there was squish, squish, squish. <gasps> oh because there's no... It was yeah. stupid to do. Maria, and, don't, don't, run, don't run in wingtips, Maria. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, so <laughs> some good advice. well, you're you are a runner because you that, that's your deal, that's your exercise. Yeah, I, I love mean, it. we see you, I those of us who live in Ludlow, you're out, you're, you're <laughs> running, so it's yeah. uh, that's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. You guys remember Bryce Carlson? He's the guy yeah. that rode across the North Atlantic. Yep. And he was on our podcast halfway across the North Atlantic using mm. a satellite phone, and we wired him in. And then when he got back, he came in, and we did an interview here. And he has what I consider hero quality. He's just a real low. He came to the interview on a bike. He had on a T-shirt, and he sat down and when I asked him this you know, philosophical question, why did you do this? He said, I hate that question because, you know, it's supposed to have some big bullshit answer, but <laughs> I did it because I like being outside and I like the water and you know, it's just a real kind of a simple approach to it. Well, in the Flying Pig Marathon last weekend, he did, and he's the only person ever to have done it, the Flying Pig 5 Challenge. So he ran every event Oh, my gosh. Of Saturday and Sunday. So get this, Maria. So he ran uh, yes. 5K, a 10K. He then did another one. And then on Sunday, he ran the run that you were in oh my for gosh. 13 miles. And then when he got back to the finish line, he started the marathon. Oh, my gosh. That's So nuts. he finished the half and then took off on the other one. And he got back. Uh, well before the cutoff time. So he did about 40 miles on Sunday. He must be a machine. I think on Friday he did the 1K in five minutes. Wow. wow. That, that's quick. That's quick. Yeah, it is. It's now, my son has gotten into the ultra marathon stuff, and he's going to Oregon in July and running a 50. Oh, my gosh. But there are some men and women who are doing hundreds. Yeah. yeah. They'll do a hundred. And they'll have they do it over a period of a couple days, and it's the test is how fast can you run, how how much little time will it take to run 100 miles? Yeah, wow, that's so amazing. It, it it is interesting. I just can't see my body doing 100 miles. <laughs> oh, I can't either. I can't I, see me do. I, I couldn't I, in any era of my life. I could just couldn't I picture. try not to look at my body. <laughs> 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 I can't see my body. I don't want to see my body, don't I? <laughs> no, I, I want to. I, Can we get a second for that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of seconds. I'll tell you, my wife, my, uh, my wife and I follow. You know, my kid doing this, and so does his wife and his kids. And so I was at a point of the marathon on Sunday where he came by. His wife, my daughter-in-law, was there, and the three grandchildren. And he passed, and she said to me, and she does a lot of exercise. She doesn't do the running thing. And she said, How, do, do any of them look like they're having fun? And the answer is, no, they're dying. Well, that's true. So why do you do it? Well, I think, yeah, in the moment it could be tough, but it, it really is something that you not only have to be strong physically but mentally, so I think it is, in a way, it is kind of like a meditation. I'm sure yeah. the people doing 100 miles, it's – you almost have to transcend, yes. you know, yeah. like how, right. like we're sitting here saying we can't imagine. And there's a, you know, it's like, there's a good point yeah. reason for if that. If your mind was strong, you would, point. you'd think not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. I love it. I've always loved it. Yeah. You get, you do get into yeah. a zone. I suspect yeah. and I do it with cycling. I don't, I'm not a runner, but, yeah. or backpacking and you do, you hit a zone where 
you go, God, this is fun. Yeah. Even though you're hiking up a mountain or something, and this is, feels good. It's exertion. Yeah. So with any Jewish people, <laughs> let me tell you, I'll so bet you in Israel. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, there they, are. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've never looked it up, but I bet in Israel there yeah, are they, marathons and uh, ultra marathons. Uh, and that's always... In fact, in the Olympics, they have, yeah, now that I think about it. I would it, guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you grow up in some neighborhood. If you're Jewish, you got to run. <laughs> there we go. Another one. On the way home. <laughs> <laughs> home from school, you go through some neighborhood. Oh. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. It's all. We're at peace now. <laughs> We're, we all go, oh, <laughs> yeah. That's a downer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Jerry. Yes. So... Uh, what the hell is going on? I mean, uh, nobody can testify. Everything's redacted. Uh, Congress is, they claim, using their legit powers to ask for certain things, Trump's taxes, whatever, and it's no, 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 no. This, What's that all about? It's really horrible, and we don't realize how horrible it is yet because everyone's just going on with their daily lives and saying, oh, that's politics and whatever. But the current disrespect for the Constitution, for our court system, for our form of government, for Congress, I mean, it's like, no, we're not gonna follow any rules. You can't make us do something. What's a subpoena? Can't even spell it. No, I'm not going to. Here's a little sideline, but when I, a couple of months ago, got this Judge Jerry show, which we're taping now, I, the general thought, even in conversations we had after, you know, we do this podcast, we always go grab a bite to eat, and you guys were great. Oh, Jerry, you're, you're going to be able to do this. This is... Uh, you know, it's right up your alley. It's television. You've, you know, I, my life has been good on television and I've had a good career with it. So you would think it's just another show and I should be able to handle this. Why am I being a little bit nervous? And you'll remember I was a little bit hesitant. And, and I kind of remember when I started practicing law with this big law firm in Cincinnati, I remember the most nervous I ever got was if a senior partner called me into his office and then would have to go with him to court. That was more nervous than I ever got meeting any politician in the world, including presidents of the United States. I mean, I, there was never a politician I met was, I'm, gonna, I'm nervous meeting this person. What's it gonna be like? What do I say? And yet, there's just something about a court of law that is special. And we all kind of know that without even thinking about it. It's just the fabric that holds a country together, that we have created in this country a judicial system where we have an unbiased arbiter makes decisions right there and then, and even on you know, a television courtroom, even if the cameras are on, you're still making a decision right then that at the end of your speech and decision will affect these people's lives right in front of you. It's not some policy. It's not a, some legislation. It's you're making a decision, and one is going to go home very angry, and one of them is going to go home very happy. And it's like, whoa. And yet, when the decision is made, a fist fight doesn't break out. 
everyone just kind of knows the court has made its decision, you're angry about it, but you go home. And we as a society live with those decisions. Now all of a sudden, in the last several weeks, and particularly this past week, not only do we have a president of the United States who says, I don't care what legal subpoenas we get, I don't care what the United States Congress says that someone has to show up. I don't want any person in my administration showing up at these hearings, if there's a, even if there's a subpoena. Even if you're ordered by a court, you're not going. Now we get an attorney general of the United States who, let's be honest, several months ago when he was having to be confirmed, even those of us on the left side of the political spectrum kind of hoped that this guy, William Barr, who had been attorney general before, even though he was conservative, he was a grown-up, and somehow he wouldn't make, you know, he wouldn't just be a political hack doing whatever Trump asked, and he'd let the invest Mueller investigation continue. That's what we all hoped. And what we now found find out is that the chief law enforcer of the United States of America is a political hack. He's basically saying, first he shows up before, you know, he lies before the Congress when he testifies. He tells the, he makes a summary of the Mueller report, which was absolutely untrue, makes up lies about what the reason was that Trump had for firing wanting to fire Mueller and wanting to fire McGahn, his, uh, his counsel. He makes up all these stories. He's protecting Trump when it is exactly the opposite of what Mueller's report actually said. He's now barring, you know, they're trying to get Mueller not to be able to testify. McGahn has been ordered not to testify. And the worst thing that Barr did, the attorney general, he said under oath that if the president of the United States believes that an investigation of him is unfair, he has a right to cancel the investigation. Think about that. If he's being investigated and he just wants to say, I'm innocent, therefore no more investigation, no more subpoenas, there can be no indictment. That is a definition of being above the law. It means you can cancel anything. Remember when Trump said, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and nothing would happen to me? He's right. He just shot something on Pennsylvania Avenue, not Fifth Avenue, and it was the Constitution. But it's, no, it's true. It's like, and we're just now putting up with it. I mean, think of what, what we, he just said, that the president can do whatever he wants, and as long as he thinks he's being unfairly treated, we're not allowed to indict him, we're not even allowed to investigate him, we're not even allowed to have the Congress subpoena people to testify on it. Well, then he can do whatever he wants. And this is okay. Because if we don't do anything about it, the precedent has been set. 
from now on, any president can do whatever he or she wants and nobody can investigate or stop that person. Well, so what does it do to our whole judicial system? It's more than just about Trump. Every day, every single day here in America, tens of thousands of people go through our court system. Is the message that has now been sent, and they should run it on the airwaves, if you are subpoenaed to court, if you are told by a judge to do something, you no longer have to listen. The law doesn't count. The courts have no authority. Is that the lesson? Who is going to believe in our judicial system anymore? People that are angry that think the system is fixed against them. Well, now they have some real evidence, don't they? If our government lets the president get away with this. Which brings us to the question, what can we do about it? And it's caused me, at least, to start to have second thoughts about statements I had been making. I'm not a fan of impeachment. Because I think once you set the precedent of impeachment, elections have less validity because if it becomes too easy to impeach, the party that loses the next election, you know there's going to be someone in that Congress that says, let's impeach the guy or the woman, and then we're going to go through that again. So we'll never have finality in whatever decisions the people make. So that's why I'm not happy about the whole concept of impeachment. And as a political matter, by the time impeachment is finished, it'll be the 2020 election anyway. So it's probably a cleaner path to take to have an election where Trump is voted out than go through the whole process of impeachment and divide the country. However, having said all that, there is something about what has just happened that I don't think we can just let it pass, even if there's a political price to pay. So I think, what if we do that? I, I've been reading lately on the um, Nixon almost impeachment, and one of the articles of impeachment of Nixon was the... Uh, failing to, um, to pay attention to a subpoena when the Supreme Court subpoenaed um, the tapes and Nixon's notes. He initially said no, and that became an article of impeachment, uh, one of the three articles, obstruction of justice, abuse of power, and failing to respond to a subpoena. So this is clearly an impeachable offense that Trump and Barr and all those people are committing now. It's clearly impeachable. So should they do it? Well, here's my thought. I think someone should file articles of impeachment. It doesn't mean that the full vote of the Congress has to be taken yet. It doesn't mean that it goes to the Senate right away for a vote. But it does mean this. It means that now Congress has absolute authority that can't be contested in a court, absolute authority, 
because the Constitution gives them that power of impeachment, absolute authority for the Congress to hold hearings, and absolute power of the authority of the Congress to issue subpoenas. You see, what the Republicans have been arguing now is when these committees issue a subpoena, the Republicans come back and say it's not a legitimate public purpose for having these hearings, and therefore a subpoena isn't valid. They'll argue that in court. But if there is an official filing for impeachment that clearly is in the Constitution, something Congress is allowed to hold hearings on because they're required by the Constitution to do that. If there's a, if a filing on impeachment has been made, they have to hold the hearings. They have to issue subpoenas. So no court can overrule that. So we will go through this next year and a half with all this information of what all the people around Trump are doing, all the obstruction of justice that is going on. And by the way, what is happening today is a whole new count of obstruction of justice. Even if it wasn't at the time of the Mueller report, now not permitting Mueller to testify, not permitting McGahn to give the notes, this is obstruction of justice. So clearly there are grounds now for for Trump and the people to have to testify. Worst possible case. Trump says, screw you. What are you going to do, come and arrest me? Barr can say, what are you going to do, come and arrest me? Barr is protected by U.S. Marshals. Are we going to start a shootout? It's unbelievable. The answer is no. But if the Supreme Court, and I think on this issue, it's unanimous. I don't care how Republican the court is. It's unanimous. If there is a filing for impeachment, there have to be hearings and there have to be subpoenas answered. And if Trump and company deny those subpoenas, deny those appearances before these committees, the American people will be seeing that. And just as with Nixon... When he said, I'm not turning over the tapes, the Supreme Court, eight to nothing. It was eight, not nine, because Rehnquist recused himself since he had worked for Nixon. So the Supreme Court unanimously told Nixon, you got to give the tapes, and then he gave the tapes, and that was the end of him. He left office five days later. That's what I think would happen this time. What will happen? The court will force them to have to testify. So in 2020, we never have to reach the vote of impeachment. In 2020, the voters of America will go to the polls with all this information provided to them. We don't have to wait for the Republican uh, Senate to th toss him out. The people will see it all now. Nothing will be hidden, and we will have a chance to save America by having Trump removed from office. All right. All right, you guys, we want to go ahead and bring our musical guest up. Uh, this week, we have Matthew Hibbard on. 
Um, he is local from Cincinnati, and we've actually had his brother on the podcast before, Andrew Hibbard. And now we get to hear some of Matt's songs. Do you guys want to hear something really funny? Yeah. Matt? What, the, the, the hearing aid joke didn't work? <laughs> no, <laughs> not again. Matt and I are actually playing a show here in a couple weeks. No kidding. Oh. It's oh. going to be at Urban Artifact yeah, that's right. well, in nice. Northside. Well, maybe on Down by the Riverside, you'll join in. Oh, yeah. That'd yeah, be well, you actually, you always do. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to play along. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, Matt, we'd love to hear a song from you. Um, I have written down here, Age Old Footsteps. Is this going to be the first song you will play for us? Yeah, that'll be the one. Cool. song I wrote about my grandpa and kind of my family, I guess, called Age Old Footsteps. While walking a long-traveled road A place had called me A place I'd known Me and my friend Johnny We walked down that old driveway Where life did blossom One old day Once it was happy home But now it's empty Plants overgrown And long green vines grow through the floor Now this old house Ain't happy no more Shed a tear, shed a tear and pray For a great man who's in his grave I walk that path that he did lay But his age-old footsteps have gone Once home to a good family, now to none. And so has ended the love that begun. And that old couple that lived there is now only one. But they had a boy, and I'm his son. He departed over ten years ago. Now I got his old guitar and his old banjo. He was the finest picker, so they say. But I never really got to hear him play. Shed a tear, shed a tear and pray For a great man is in 
dream I walk that path that he did lay but his age-old footsteps have gone away how it hurts hurts to this day things I did wrong things I did say how can I ever ever repay well, I'll do my best somehow some way oh what joy and pride I could bring If he would have got to hear me sing But too early came God's graceful hand To take him home to the promised land I still see clear, clear to this day It only seems like it was yesterday How I long to sit and recall The days of old with my old papa I left that house and I went to him Gave him a flower Said I'll see you again Someday With all my love I'll meet you there There in heaven above Shed a tear Shed a tear and pray to my hero who's in his grave my whole heart his love it feels with his age old footsteps burning at my heels Uplifting. I hope no, that is beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful song. Wow. Matt, as we mentioned before, your um, your brother Andrew is uh, another player around the scene, and and I know that when I would see some of his shows, we'd see you at, you there as well. Do you feel you are influenced by him? At oh all? yeah. He's got a better work ethic than I do, I guess. <laughs> he's, he's more he's more outgoing too. I mean. Yeah. Well, you guys, a nervous kind of guy. Yeah. Oh, you guys yeah. both write wonderful songs. That, that's yeah. a beautiful that's very, song. Yeah, really good. Good. good for you. 
Um, can we hear? By the way, the genre of talking songs. I mean, I remember it. I came through the yeah. '60s in folk music, and it was pretty common. And there's a song, totally different content, but "Drunken Ira Hayes," which yeah. is a. Con do you know the song? I, th I think I heard Johnny Cash sing that. Johnny Cash does it, among yeah. others, and it's it's combo of talking and yeah. it's very structured the same way. It's kind of like a Hank Williams kind of thing. I get yeah. Hank Williams style. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like Tom. Hall. What was it? Tom D. Hall. Tom T. Hall. Tom T. Hall. Yeah, he mm -hmm. did talk a lot of talking ballads, yeah, yeah. like talking blues and, and stuff. And, and yeah, talking blues. Yeah. And mm -hmm. James and Jimmy Dean. Yeah, the sausage Jim, guy. Yeah, 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 Jimmy Dean. Yeah, did that too when he was <laughs> singing. That's true. Yeah. Now the sausage guy. Yeah. Millionaire, billionaire, <laughs> probably. No, he's no longer living. I sure he's still sausage, yeah, he's living. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's living. making money. <laughs> when, when you're gone, what else can you do? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Jimmy but Dean is still alive. <laughs> He's alive. No, he isn't. Well, we'll talk about this after the show. I don't anyway. want to tell them, but Jimmy I have Dean. the interwebs no, right there. No, I, I loved him, but, uh, but I think he passed away years ago. I mean, like 10 years ago. Well, I just did a commercial the other day in the first person. Must have recorded those beforehand, huh? Could be. Yeah. <laughs> The Wizardry of Television. Anyway, Maria, Somebody take us look out. it up. Look Get it us up. out of Jimmy Dean. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yes. Matt, is there any way that we could hear um, mm. your stuff online, or where can people who are listening to the podcast go find your stuff? Yeah, I have a uh, band camp. It's uh, just Matt Hibbard's the name. And uh, SoundCloud, too, just Matt Hibbard. And uh, I got a Facebook page that's Matt Hibbard Music. Awesome. Sounds good. Pretty, pretty plain. That's excellent. And, and you yeah. look very much alive, so I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> He's not selling sausages yet. Yeah. I might someday. That's <laughs> the first, yeah, that's the first step when you start <laughs> yeah. selling sausages. You know, it's not, you're rounding third and heading for home. Would you take us out on uh, Down by the Riverside? Let Jerry take a verse, maybe? Oh, yeah. That, that'll kill you. <laughs> I'm going to talk this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside I'm gonna lay down my heavy load Sword and shield. You've been down listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery, recorded by the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryswinger.com. Down by the river.